Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We're heading into a time of year that for people who believe in God, who appreciate all that God has done, we come to a time when we are thankful and we give. And this whole month that is coming is related to being a thankful person and expressing our thanks by giving. And I love the two concepts, thankfulness and giving. We start training our children when they're little. Every one of us can remember our parents saying when someone gives us something, now tell them thank you. Say thank you. Maybe they have a hard time saying it. Maybe they don't want to and they sort of kick back and rebel a little bit and you remind them, say thank you. Thank you. Well, they said it. But we all know there's a difference between saying thank you and being thankful. <laughs> Those are not exactly the same. When we're training our children, we're training them to say thank you so that one day we might be able to see them be thankful people. But it begins by saying thank you. It's the same with us, with God. It begins with us being able to say, thank you, Lord. And if I say, thank you, Lord, enough, then eventually I will, in fact, become a thankful person because I remind myself through saying that. That's what happens in life physically and spiritually. This morning, I want us to say, thank you, Lord. And I want us to use what the psalmist said in Psalm 100 so that we can learn and say, thank you, Lord, for what the psalmist said. Open, if you will, to that text and just leave it there, and we will be here to understand the concept of being thankful. First of all, I want to look at the psalm as a whole. Notice the structure of it for just a moment. I want you to notice that there is a pivot point in the psalm. And it's this fulcrum that exists from which the other two things in the psalm flow. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. If I am going to be a joyful person, I have to know that God is God. 
It is what gives me joy. It is what sustains me in difficult times. Joy is that inner acceptance of what is real, regardless of what is real on the outside. It is the inner acceptance of saying, I can get through this. There is something greater yet to be. I want to be a joyful person. But it begins by knowing God. And when I know God... I can enter his courts. I can be joyful before the Lord. And as the psalmist said, I can give the shout of joy. The Jews, when they went to the temple, they did not go inside the temple. That was for the priest. But the temple courtyard area where the gates opened up and he would say, enter into the gates. And we're singing and shouting and praising God. Why? Because I know who God is. And when you know God, you can be joyful. Because he sustains us in difficult times. And when I'm joyful... I'll be thankful. It is hard to be thankful when things aren't going well. It is difficult sometimes to notice that for which we can be thankful. I'm watching a documentary, a little story on a family, the Turpin family in California. Thirteen children lived in a home with terribly abusive parents. One of the middle children was able to escape and alert the authorities. But in describing the place in which they grew up and how terrible it was, it was an awful, horrible existence she could find little bitty things to be thankful for. And that's exactly what happens when you're filled with joy. You may be in heartache. You may be in grief. You may be in difficulty. But you can still have joy. And when you have joy, you are thankful because of the joy. So I think the psalmist is saying... When you know God, you'll be joyful. And when you're joyful, you will be thankful. Here is a man who knew God. And he had the joy that he said, I would shout going to the gates of the temple. But then notice what he says. The psalmist says five things. And these five things are the five things that we can say, thank you, Lord. Number one, thank you, Lord, for making me who I am. Notice what the psalmist said. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. There is no bad person. The problem is not who we are. 
The problem is, what have we done with who we are and where we have been? That's the problem. But God made us. Thank you, Lord, for making me who I am. We need to be grateful for who we are. We are special. God made us. And in fact, his making us is a sign that he'll take us back. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7, speaking of death, the body will return to the dust from which it came, but the spirit returns to God who gave it. God made you and me. I thought about that this week, and I'm having this thought that I don't know that I had stated in my head. God created us when he created Adam and Eve. That is true, because with Adam and Eve came the next generation, who then the next generation, and then the next until you get to you and me. God created us. But think about this. God created you. God created me when we were put into the womb of our mothers. It's not just creation from the beginning. It's special. You are special. We are special. God created you. Your spirit and my spirit are coming back to God someday. He gave it. He's taking it back. You are special. I don't care what anybody says. Every single person is special. Every single person is made in the image of God. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. God said in that creation week, Lord, thank you for making me who I am. I really hope today that every single person can be appreciative of who they are. Thank God for who you are. Doesn't mean that you can't change and develop and mold, but you are special. And David said, Lord, you've made me. Just think, if every single person appreciated that they were specially made by God, how would it change their lives? And how would those lives change the culture of any society? Let us not devalue life. Let us appreciate that every single person is special. Thank you, Lord, for making me who I am. Number two, thank you, Lord, for giving me a place to be. I have no idea what it would be like to be homeless. I was talking to Austin this week. We were down there 
And they participate in Room in the Inn. And they have a place in their building where the homeless can stay one night. That particular group is managed by a woman who was homeless at the age of 15. I can't imagine what that's like. What is it like not to have a home to go to? What is it like not to have the stability of knowing that this is my place? The psalmist said, thank you, Lord, for giving me a place to be. He said, Lord, we are your people. God gave me a place to be among his people. God had said, I will be their God. I'll dwell among them. They shall be my people. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16. And Peter would say, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people. You have a people as a place to be. You don't have to be alone. This is a place that you can be. These are people that you can be with. And I know that there are times when people are with others, but they're still alone. Don't be alone. Let these people be in your life. Don't be alone. Reach out to these people because God said, I have a place for you among my people. And I have a place for you among my possessions. What are the things that are most precious to you? If I were to walk into your house and I would see something on a mantle, that says pretty special. What about the little table beside your bed? Whatever's sitting there, pretty special. The things that are out on display, those are your possessions. And you say that's special. And God said, you're special. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. You're special. You have a place to be. God said, I want you to be among my people. This is your place to be. And you are the sheep of my pasture. And God takes care of his sheep. He helps them find the greenest grass, the freshest water, the greatest protection. You're my possession. And I set you up on a pillar. Take care of you. I love you. I care about you. And the psalmist said, thank you, Lord, for giving me a place to be. Thank you, Lord. For all of my good days. Verse number five. The Lord is good. To say that the Lord is good, Jesus put it this way. There is only one who is good, and that is God. 
He is good in his nature. He doesn't choose to be good. He is good. And since he is good in his nature, he wants what is good for his possession and for his people. Therefore, James would write in James chapter 1, Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. God gives every good gift. If there is something good in your life, God is the source. If anything good happens to you, it's because God is involved. Anything that we would say in its nature is good comes from the nature of God himself who is good. God is so good that he lets his reign come to those who are not good and lets his sun shine on those who are not good. My grandson led prayer at dinner yesterday. And in his prayer, he said, Lord, we pray for the good people. And we pray for the bad people. That's what God wants. Because God is good. And he wants people to be good. Thank you, Lord, for all of my good days. Can you recount some? Do you go back in your mind and you think, oh, that was a good day. That was a great day. And then do you say, and Lord, thank you for those good days. Number four, Lord, thank you for overlooking my bad days. His mercy is everlasting. Everybody has a bad day every now and then. You know the phrase that says it's an old phrase, maybe younger people haven't heard it because men don't always wear hats anymore, but they used to say, when you come home, you throw your hat in. And if it doesn't come back out, then you go in. You're, everything's good. We all have bad days. Sometimes people just need to throw a hat at us to find out if we're okay. But I have bad days. You have bad days. And even in the midst of all the good that is going on from God, we're not always good. We have bad days. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us, Ephesians 2 and verse 3 or 4, God is a God of mercy. His intention is to overlook our bad days. He requires things of us. But those things from us don't erase the bad days. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by his own mercy he saved us. Titus 3 and verse 5. 
when we mess up, God expects something of us, and then he overlooks the bad days. It's still a bad day. It still exists. But God is merciful. And while we might hold bad days against each other, God doesn't hold them against us so that he would then say in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. God is not every day holding another bad day against us saying you're a bad person. We do that sometimes. But with the psalmist, I can say, thank you, Lord, for overlooking my bad days. Number five, the psalmist said, thank you, Lord, for knowing the truth about me and being patient with me in it. His truth endures to all generations. Here's what I know about all of you and me. You're not as good as you want to be. I'm not as good as I want to be. I know that because you are here. We're together. This togetherness says, I want to be better. And while I'm here, I, I look at that person and, and, and that person, and I think, I want to be that way. And I'm going to take this trait from that person, and, and I'm going to work on this because that person inspires me to do that. And we're all doing that. I'm not nearly as good as I want to be, and I am sure that you feel the same way. But here's what I also know. God's giving me patience to grow. God knows that truth of me. God is looking at the heart. When Samuel was to appoint the next king after Saul, he thought that these brothers who passed by were physical specimens. Surely this is the next king. And God said, I don't look as men do on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. God is watching your heart, and he's watching mine. Two or three weeks ago, we talked about the fact that what we do doesn't have to damage our hearts. The bad days that we have don't have to dwell in our hearts. We can have bad days and our hearts still be good. And that's who we're trying to be. That's what we want to be. And God is giving me patience to do that. I want to be better than I am. And God is not upset with me as I try to improve. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for making me who I am, for giving me a place to be. Thank you for all of my good days and overlooking all my bad days. 
and knowing the truth about me, but being patient with me anyway. Thank you, Lord. Would you say it with me? Thank you, Lord. The greatest thing he ever did was to give us a chance to live with him eternally. If you're not a child of God, immersed into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, faithful child, walking in the Spirit, can we help you as we stand and sing together? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.